Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Fuel Hire, a platform to help companies hire smarter and flag 13 toxic employee types. Measure job fit, sales tendencies and motivators, decision-making abilities and empathy levels, and make your next hire your best hire. Try it now on salesfuel.com slash hire and use promo code MANAGESMARTER for $50 off your first purchase. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent improve results and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. My name is Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesView. And Lee, today we are going to talk about the servant way of selling. A little bit different, right? Yeah, well, it's, it, it's an old friend of mine. Not an old friend, but but, but a longtime friend of, of mine, Jim Doyle. <laughs> and, and an old friend. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, I didn't. <laughs> but anyway... But uh, I'm delighted to have him on, on the show. He's got a new book. And yeah, we're going to hear about, uh, you know, servant salesmanship. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the, the servant way of going about the, the sales business. And one of the things I really like about Jim is that he and I have are of like mind when it comes to sales, that it's not just about making a dollar. It's about making a difference. I stole that from a title of a book that I read a while ago. Right, Jim? <laughs> but but uh, in any case, it's like we're delighted to have him on the show. And I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the president and CEO of Sales Fuel. That's what I was waiting for. And so Jim Doyle <laughs> is our guest today. He is a sales trainer, author of the new book, Just Out, as we drop this episode. It's called Selling with a Servant Heart. 10 lessons, 10 people, we're going to give you a kind of a teaser and talk about a couple of them today. 10 lessons on the path to joy and increased income. I would argue, Mr. Doyle, that joy may almost be more important than the income. You know, it's funny you, you say that, Audrey. I was thinking this morning about, you know, doing a social media, media post about the, uh, about the uh, book and, and thinking that the post might be, it doesn't have to be hard. You know, I, I think people who really connect with the idea of selling by serving uh, just have so much more satisfaction mm-hmm. from what they do and so much more long-term viability. Um, I, I interviewed, you know, my experience, is, as you guys know, is uh, primarily in media. But when I did this book, I wanted to interview folks who were in a variety of different industries to see if the ideas that I had learned from some of the stars I knew you know, was transferable. So I meet these, you know, incredible salespeople. Um, and one of these, one of these guys, uh, Dave Wall, is, uh, sells uh, RVs. He mm. probably does more volume as an individual person than 90% of the RV dealerships in America. Wow. Right? Um, and uh, about 60% of his business is repeat and 30% is referral. Uh, you know, when you develop an extraordinary connection with customers and you serve them in, an, in, an, in more than an effective way, what happens is your churn drops. I mean, this is just, you know, just a great business opportunity mm-hmm. to have lower churn. 
And therefore, you start every year at a higher place. Um, and and he, he's obsessed with customer service. He's obsessed with taking care of his customers. But he's also obsessed with understanding what they really want. What do they, what do they need? For him, uh, just like it is in, in the media business I came from, uh, finding out the issues, what drives them to buy a coach, what kind of travel they're going to be doing with the coach uh, is all uh, part of how he finds out what's the right solution for their needs. Yeah, and before we go too deep into, into that, Jim, it's like I've been, always been a big believer. There's multiple types of uh, income, right? I mean, there's the financial income, which we associate typically with sales, but there's also mental income, emotional income. There's political income. Uh, and I don't want to get too much into the political income. I'm talking about internal politics, but right. I don't want to get too much into that. But it's like the, the mental income part of it, that, that's where the joy comes from. And so it's like you can you can have more than one type of income. And it's actually best that you do, especially. And you mentioned retention, too. Uh, we, we're in an age right now, you know, where we, where we have labor shortages in multiple fields and especially in sales. So whatever we can do to retain good salespeople by making sure that they have you know, they have multiple types of income uh, coming into them from, from their work, I, mean, I think is paramount. Uh, well, you know, I think that's such a, such a great point. You know, Simon Sinek talks about finding out your why. And mm -hmm. I think for organizations that find their why and for salespeople who find their why, um, they're going to have so much more satisfaction. And if you have more satisfaction, you're likely to stay for a long time. Is the key to this whole thing, because, you know, if you're not doing well at sales, it can be one of the most stressful vocations out there, right? But I feel like maybe the key is to view yourself as solving somebody's problem, becoming the solution, and that's the servant way in helping. That's the way I've always thought of it. Is, is that I, I think accurate? I think that's accurate. I, absolutely. I think what I've found is I, is I uh, met uh, these incredible sellers is that they were almost obsessively focused on the customer's results. Mm -hmm. So even more than win-win selling, you know, win-win suggests that the customer wins, but I also win. Well, these folks are really concerned about does the customer win? And they know if the customer wins, mm -hmm. ultimately it will be good for them. Even if it isn't exactly good, maybe in the short term, ultimately it'll be good for them. And they not only say those words, but they live those words in the way that they interact with customers. I think it's amazing that you offer the RV guy up as an example, because that's <laughs> a very high dollar proposition. And that's a very niche, narrow audience. And he's hidden it out of the ballpark. It just goes to show that selling widgets, you know, I mean, you could be successful with this very expensive thing, right? And it's interesting because his product, uh, is the uh, sort of Rolls Royce of that business. So his, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, his business is, his, his product will be two to $400,000 more than, uh, than his competition. So does he have to add value as part of that equation? Not just the product adding value, but he personally adding value. Mm -hmm. So a friend of mine told me about Dave, and, um, and this is a guy that I sold to and called on for a long time. So if he's impressed by somebody, I know the guy was pretty cool. And uh, he, uh, he said, uh, I, was, uh, I, I had a problem or a question about my coach, and I called him. He picks up the phone, uh, and in the course of the conversation, he gives me some ideas. And then I say, where are you? And he was in Argentina uh, on a uh, sporting vacation of some sort. And uh, uh, when I asked Dave about that, he said, you know what? Uh, some people would say, don't take the call then. But I think if I take five minutes out of my day and I solve that customer's problem, 
that's what increases the loyalty that's going to have them keep coming back. Boy, that sure worked pretty well for him. We did a study. We do a study about every two years. This was called the Voice of the Buyer, where we uh, we survey over a thousand different SMB CEOs. Uh, you know, they're all in the B2B realm, but the CEOs and decision makers, people, people that are buying, purchasing agents and the like. And the top two beefs that they have about salespeople in general is number one, pushiness. Number two, though, is that salespeople that talk incessantly about how great their products are without mentioning you know, what they can do for me and how they're going to solve my problem. So this goes right to you know, the 10 opportunities that, that you talk about in, in the book about, about selling with a servant heart. Do you want to maybe share uh, you know, one or two of those for the audience? Well, the one that uh, triggered just with the way that you talked about the survey that you've done is um, uh, I, I, I wrote a lesson that was uh, it's called Closing Hard is a Path to Failure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's so interesting because as a sales trainer, you know, Lee, Audrey, I, I mean, I, I so focused on, I, I mean, I know 17 ways to close a sale and I, and I, can, and I can teach them and I, uh, you know, know powerful answering objection techniques. And what I've discovered is that the, the words that you say are not as important as the way you are mm -hmm. um, as a person. Mm -hmm. And so when that comes to how does a salesperson close the sale, um, the servant heart sellers have done so much work up front in the diagnosis step of the process. They've so articulated the solution that when it comes to asking for the order, they're all very, very conscious of the fact that they are asking for the order but it becomes just such a natural process rather than this sort of, I can trick you somehow into buying. Which Saying magic I, words. I and, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, my pen doesn't work. Uh, uh, oh, is your pen out of work? <laughs> Let me hand you mine. <laughs> you know, all this crap that I, I learned. Not only did I learn, but I'm embarrassed to say at some points in my life, I taught. Oh, no. <laughs> all this crap. And now, you know, if, if you really look at the most extraordinary salespeople that we all know, um, they, they really, you know, they don't, they don't sell that way at all. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost like closing just kind of happens naturally, whereas you're yeah. not really closing. You're, you're asking for, okay, let's get started. Or are you, you know, when, when can we start as opposed to, you know, everything that you're talking about here is for some mystical, mystical process, if you will. I was at a car dealer lot uh, not, not long ago. We had an extraordinary experience, but it reminded me of a time when, you know, the first guy who called on me, you know, I, I meet on this lot is one of these close early and close often guys, you know, and uh, <laughs> what can I do to be your car salesman today? You know, I really want to be all these little mini closes. And, you know, to the point of your survey, by the time you're done, you just want to, I don't, I, I don't, oh. I think if I'm talking about servant heart selling, I couldn't say I want to hit the guy, but, but, <laughs> but probably not the right response. But, but, you know, you just have such a negative reaction to that, you know, well, it's and like I think most, the questioning there is like, it's like, it's like he's the way he's asking those questions is like that you're there to serve him as opposed to he's there to serve you. Exactly. He doesn't care what car I buy. He just wants to sell me a car. Today. You have a pulse you know? yeah. and a checkbook. That's all he. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did. He asked me, uh, he said, uh, what do you do for work? And I said, well, I train salespeople. <clears throat> and I thought that that might get him a little nervous, but he was like, oh, a sales trainer. How do I sell a sales trainer? <laughs> it's like another mini clothes. You know, it's like, you're such an idiot. <laughs> but, but you know, it's like, it's like we, we were taught so much of sales. I think, you know, so, so one of my passions is that I see a lot of uh, younger people and newer people uh, in our business and in other businesses who reject sales as a career. 
Mm-hmm. And they reject sales as a career because of the stereotype. And sadly, they've seen enough of that stereotype mm-hmm. on that car dealer lot or at some appliance store or, or at some other place to really say, well, sales is somehow manipulative as opposed to sales is serving. And, you know, I think about even uh, uh, some of my kids who have rejected sort of selling as a, as a way of life because of a stereotype that isn't really the way that incredible salespeople perform. Yeah, I mean, I reject that that profession that you you talked about. To me, that, that's yeah. foreign. That's not what sales is. But it's like, yeah, I'm with you. I see a lot of it and across all kinds of industries. And unfortunately, salespeople, like any other industries, whether you're a chiropractor, you're a landscape or something like that, we're a lawyer or whatever, we're all judged by our worst practitioners because those are the ones that stand out in your mind. Mm-hmm. Isn't that true? Well, I think part of it is in order to be really, really good in sales, you have to combine, you have to have drive. So mm-hmm. you have to have, you know, what, what the caliper test calls ego drive, that desire to, to win and desire to make a difference. But um, the extraordinary salespeople also possess tremendous amounts of empathy, mm-hmm. which is not sympathy, but empathy. You know, how can I help? How can we be of service? What can what we can do? So a lot of the sales uh, challenges that we have are those who are so strong in the ego drive that that really that their drive to make a sale is stronger than their drive to make a difference. Yeah. And it's about them having a greater self-view. They're all being self-centered exactly. as opposed so to a world Therefore, view. I start to come yeah. from my ego and yeah. therefore, you know, because I, because I want to win. And um, what you find about the extraordinary salespeople is they honor that ability to serve. By the way, they want to win. I mean, the first word in the title of this book is selling. And that's not by accident. It's not a book about a relationship and about building better relationships. It's about being more effective in sales, but also finding it to be so much more satisfying. So out of the 10 lessons, so we've talked about closing, closing should sort of organically and naturally kind of happen because your service levels are so high and you're solving a problem and you have empathy that it just sort of, it's not painful, you know. Uh, What are of the other 10 lessons um, would you like to present as maybe one of the less um, known or a little more obscure thing for our audience? that's 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 a great question. So um, one of the lessons I wrote about is called the responsibility of trust. Mm-hmm. And um, what I realized as I wrote the book is that um, these sellers uh, really develop extraordinary relationships of trust with their customers. Um, but that comes with it a pretty awesome responsibility. Uh, one of the people I interviewed had a great line. He said, you know, if you're spending customers $100,000, you can't try you better know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so um, what that led to was a, a lesson that I think was consistent with every one of the sellers about being lifelong learners and really becoming a student. I, I did a, a marketing seminar for a group of car dealers in Des Moines a number of years ago. And um, I had had a chance the night before to have dinner with one of the people who was there, who was one of the most uh, successful Dodge dealers in America. And I was really excited to have dinner with anybody that's that successful. Um, and he had just, he told me during dinner um, that he'd turned down, you know, more money than you and I can ever imagine to sell the stores um, and made a family decision to keep them. Well, where is he the next morning at 7.30 in the morning? He's in the front row of this seminar and he's taken note after note after note. He's the first person to come up to me afterwards and ask questions. Later on, asked me to have a conference call with somebody on his team and I just thought to myself, isn't that one of the 
real hallmarks mm-hmm. of people who are going to be successful. And part of that for salespeople is if I want to honor that customer's trust, I better know what the heck I'm talking about. And it's not just knowing my product, it's knowing all the other options, competitive options, and other solutions that might solve the problem without needing my product. Mm -hmm. Um, It really is an awesome responsibility to be trusted. You know, and and if you're relying on the prospect then to give you all your research, you know, and and, and it's like, tell me about your business today. It's like, I mean, you, you immediately, you're in the passenger seat instead of the driver's seat. You miss an opportunity to stand apart from every other salesperson that's, that's being lazy and not even, not, not checking the prospect's website, you know, not looking them up, you know, in various places online, hell for that matter, not even checking the CRM to see what your company had done with them previously. Uh, You know, just doing a numbers game, just trying to make as many calls as, as they can and use relying on their, you know, their gift of gas and uh, rather than, you know, being informed. And it's like, it, 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 that, that's the kind of stuff that breaks my heart, Jim. Oh, you know, it's so funny you say that because um, uh, for all of the questions I taught salespeople to ask for years, and, and, you know, I can remember all the seminars where I talk about diagnosis calls and here's what you should ask. Mm-hmm. How long have you been in business? Now? You know, you better know that before you walk in today uh, so that you can have a deeper business conversation because nobody that I've called on has time to teach you about their business. Uh, they have time for an in-depth business conversation, a discussion of what the real significant issues are. And I don't, <laughs> and today, as you said, there's so many resources to find out about their company and their business before you even walk in the door. Well, you had mentioned the seminar and everything like that. I, I was attendee of one of your boot camps a few years ago. Oh, I, I was longer than I actually remember it now. Uh, and, and, and you're, and you're, and you're teeing up the boot camp again, uh, in February of 2022. Uh, and I'm assuming thereafter, which is great. One of the best pieces of advice that I got from that seminar, I share with managers, and this is the Manage Smarter show, uh, was from a guy named Keith Harrell, uh, the late Keith Harrell, unfortunately died way, way too soon. Uh, but he was there and he, I remember him saying, it's like a dead battery can't jumpstart a dead battery. And I think it's one of the best pieces of ma- management advice that we can give to sales managers or managers of all types uh, these days is that, you know, if you want your people to show up and bring their A game, then you need to show up when you show up. You know, it, it, it's, uh, I love Keith Harrell. He became a close friend and, and uh, as you say, died way, way too young. Greatest motivational speaker on the planet. Uh, just, uh, he had, had uh, as Zig slowed down, Keith was the guy doing the big events and the big uh, uh, deals. But he, uh, you know, that what your point is, uh, I actually, after I got done sort of writing the book, I wrote a long section for leaders in, in the book about how do you create this as a culture? Um, and also, how do you manage, you know, servant heart sellers are not as easy to manage as somebody uh, else because they are so passionate about the customer, they sometimes forget who they work for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they- They, <laughs> they work for the customer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, one of the servant heart sellers that I interviewed, Rhonda Coleman, said she said uh, I, I'm not afraid of a of a good business disagreement, and most of those business disagreements are with her bosses when she's trying to accomplish something for her customers. Uh, so we, I wrote a little bit about that, and and one of the things about about culture, as you know, is exactly what you just described. If I want everybody to show up at eight o'clock, I can't show up at eight fifteen. Um, that was a lesson from a boss of mine when I was routinely walking in at 8.15. <laughs> and he said, you know, Jim, 
if you want people to be on time, you better be early. And mm -hmm. if I want to create a culture of servant heart selling, I can't have self-talk in my office or my sales meetings about, you know, what are we doing to sell something, close something, if it isn't uh, connected to what are we doing to serve and how does this make a difference for our clients and how, do we, how does this product work best for our customers? Got a few minutes left. The website is servantsellingbook.com and your TV Jim Doyle on Twitter right? and TV Jim Doyle on LinkedIn. Um, so if I'm in the audience listening to the show, I'm obviously go buy the book, everybody. It's wonderful. But um, and I'm not in a culture <laughs> where I'm getting any professional development or lifelong learning, as you say. Should I go to my leadership and ask for it or should I just try to do it on my own to try and get to the, the style of selling that you? Well, you know, uh the bookseller in me says you should go to your leaders and they should buy 30 books. <laughs> but but let, me, let, me let me suggest that uh, uh, I think that uh, all self-growth is individually driven. You know, that I have to decide um, no matter what goes on with the team that I want to get better. Um, there's a guy that Lee and I know named Dan Kennedy who talks about the 10 percenters. And the 10 percenters are the people who listen to podcasts like this. They're the ones who will buy the books. They're the ones who want, you know, who are not satisfied if they think there's something that they can learn that can help them be more effective. So uh, if you're one of those, then don't wait for anybody else. You know, invest in your own growth and your own success. You know, and listen to yourself if you're actually then whining about, oh, I can't do that because management won't, won't pay for it or won't, won't, won't send me to this seminar or something like that. Uh, now you're playing the role of the victim, you know, as opposed to you know the producer. And it's like you know, find a way, do it yourself. Hell, I remember a few years ago, you know, when I was working for for a large company that they, you know, I was supposed to speak at a conference, and uh, they wouldn't get, you know, they wouldn't let me go, you know, and and wouldn't pay for me to go. So I took my own days off. I paid for my own flight down there. I did I did the speaking gig. Everything like that. And I spent two days at, at the workshop learning my craft. And it's like, was I a little bitter about it that I was bringing this back to benefit the company and, and they were investing in it? Yeah. But at the same point in time, I just kind of looked at it. I'm a free agent, you know, so I'm going to take this, this information and this knowledge with me wherever I go. So I'm investing in myself. I think, I think there's such a culture today in our country about being a victim. Mm -hmm. And um, I would be successful if only. And what you find about successful people is they have the same issues, the same challenges, the same uh, stuff that goes on in their life, sometimes tragic, uh, but they figure out a way that they can you know, still be successful despite all that. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the book, Jim. Everybody. Oh, thank you guys so much. Go to his website or it was on Amazon. That's where I went it's to find it. It's on Amazon. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, selling with a servant heart. Thanks, uh, Jim. Oh, thank you guys so much for doing this. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.